Welcome to the Podcast Maneuver, the officially unofficial podcast for Picard on CBS All Access. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 10, titled uh, Et in Arcadia Ego Part 2. This is the continuation of last episode, obviously. Uh, Aaron, you've seen it a couple times now. What do you think? I uh, I mean, this is par for the course for Picard. There was a lot of silly shit, uh, a lot of really head-scratching moments, but it led up to a really, a fairly cool, if kind of generic space battle. As, as generic a space oh. battle you can have between 218 Romulan warbirds and a bunch of fucking flowers. Uh, and the last 15 minutes, like, I, despite myself, found myself getting emotional uh, mm. during, like, Data's funeral. Um so that's a C plus like, you know, like this is a, this is a, an average episode of Picard. I kind of like how they left things. I mean, were you shocked at how many of our predictions that we made kind of half joking and half just taking a piss came true? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Picard ending up in that golem is like. Yeah, but it's just a, it's okay. just a it's just a regular old human golem. No special <laughs> powers, no age, no. It's just a uh, yeah, yeah. It's, just a it's exactly you. It's it's the same old shitty body you had, mm-hmm. except yep. no brain abnormality. It's got that weird skin tag on your ball sack still <laughs> that you've wanted to t- to have removed all the yeah. It's... Which I would question how they knew about that, but okay. <laughs> well, they got a pretty. We got a pretty good look at the Picard, the the body. They, they did us a favor having him in the loincloth, I think. Well, I was hoping for his uh, shiny uh, a metal bikini briefs he was rocking on Riza in that one yeah. season three episode. But I, yeah, so what'd you think? I'm curious. Yeah, I, I largely agree. I think there is a lot of slop in this episode. It's uh, <laughs> very badly staged, very badly communicated in a lot of places. But then that ending is is really good. Um just this is the return of the Picard. You know, it took him dying to finally get there, but this is the return of the Picard I know. Yeah. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that ending. And I would be interested to see what this crew uh, could do with no official mission, no Starfleet backing, kind of like a, a renegade defiant type thing, captained by an old Picard, and or maybe not even captain, advised. Like, I, I'm... I, I could see, and, and there's also, like, hope that maybe Starfleet will start being Starfleet again, and, you know, we can get, like, it, uh, when do you want to talk about, like, what our hopes would be for season two? Because I've got right some, now. okay, season two, would you be interested in seeing a show where the Serena officially joins the Finris Rangers, and they essentially are an unsanctioned Starfleet, or they're an unsanctioned peacekeeping body in a rough and rugged area of space, but still allow some first contact from time to time because it is in a you know rugged backwater space where maybe not every square inch has been explored. Might still get to see like moral problems between like two types of refugees. I could I could see some interesting stories being told there. Yeah, I mean the the only other way I could really see them going if they wanted to sort of follow on to this is having the. I don't know if there's still holdouts uh, in the Romulans because I, th- I don't think Commander O is like defeated completely. She just goes away because the odds are not in her favor at the moment. Yeah, she's um, no so longer it, in charge of Starfleet security. I would hope. <laughs> I would hope. Yeah, 
but you can see her, you know, putting up a little bit more of a stink about these synthetics. She's come slinking back to her office. Oh, no, that was Commodore O that did all that shit. I'm General O now. Yeah, she uh, takes the sunglasses off. You got the wrong person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they could continue on with the story of the synthetics and how they, you know, sort of reintegrate back into Starfleet. Hmm. Uh, in the Federation, but yeah, there's a lot of hooks there. Like Romul, like Romulans are still a mess. The synths yeah. are still on shaky kind of legal standing. Uh, what is the consequence of firing up that beacon and summoning the Techno Cthulhu to eat us all, and then slamming the gate shut on them? Like, uh-huh. uh, in, in some kind of Hellboy devil ritual, I kind of buy that if you disrupt the ritual, everything just kind of goes away. But this is a real th- you've you've paged a you know galaxy ending technology does that just like oh well i guess they hung up or four five it's like you know are they like 9 11 they're gonna fucking find you you know yeah. uh there's a lot of a lot of interesting hooks you could do we get oh you got a board cube in play although i yeah. wonder if you're supposed to understand that's just that's just destroyed it can't be it can't be they have a magic fixer device you're right they got the fucking orakina of if, technology if, if seven can imagine it fixed it's fixed like they they really broke uh all potential tension yeah. with fixing ships with that thing yeah but. you got a doctor who hydro spanner or whatever now uh that would be kind of an interesting concept like seven and the because i don't know if seven of nine stays with the crew but oh, i guess she's just leaving the queue I, I it feels like it would be a cool thing for the x-borg and the synthetics to throw in together and use that board cube as kind of like their sovereign territory yeah you know because be cool. like who can fuck with a board cube not many just, uh you, unless you also Janeway comes john... out of retirement <laughs> uh you haven't had john delancey show up yet yeah q so yeah. we gotta get him in there we were wrong about the q continuum showing off versus the synth q continuum yeah that was like the only prediction I think a crazy feverish prediction we threw out last week that didn't come true. Yeah, there's there's a lot of potential for season two. I will be watching if it happens. Uh, and I think at this point it's been greenlit. So once we get past this Corona stuff, yeah. I'm sure they'll start producing that. Yeah, you don't want uh, Patrick Stewart showing up on a Corona set. No. No, because no, no, no. there's no no golems available in, in 21st century America. Where you're They're lucky not. to get a respirator. Right about now, so. Okay, uh, let's get into the recap. We start off with Narek sneaking his way onto the board cube where Seven and Elnor are discussing what she has to live for uh, as an XB with no home. And he finds Rizzo still inexplicably aboard the cube and they go to her hiding, her hidey hole. I, I, there are so many things about this. Like, first of all, let me compliment the shot at the beginning because i really love it it's it's the board cube sitting in this water like a, like a lake or something uh with these red mountains in the background and narek's running across the countryside it it's, looked like a magic the gathering card yeah like, like from yeah. one of the one of the weird uh throwback techno shards of the yeah. plane sphere or whatever the fuck they are it's really cool i like yeah. i loved it yeah it's like a blue like a blue black kind of kind of feeling yeah uh, they never show her hiding place, but I was I was thinking it had to be on the cube, and if not, how did they run into each other? And it has to be. And she says it's got cra- crashing waves oceanfront. I'm assuming she's just on that side of the cube that's like in the water and not the land. 
Uh, yeah, how did Rizzo show up? We last saw Rizzo at the bottom of a pile of Exborg about to rip her guts out, and she teleports out, and then they immediately cut to the Romulan fleet getting the fuck out of there. Uh, Rizzo, first of all, we never learned this woman's real name. No. Uh, I don't think she's actually referred to by name past the first or second episode. So she's a Romulan named Lieutenant Rizzo, uh, and she just shows, she, she teleports, I assumed, to be part of the... Uh, Romulan extermination fleet because that was what she was all about. That's what she was trying to rally her auntie behind. Uh, But no, she has a prescience to stay behind on this, what she must think is a doomed Borg cube and hook up with her brother. Um, I got another problem. Uh, Picard left Elnor behind on the Borg cube to help them work on the defensive upgrades and repair Mm -hmm. work. Him and Seven are just sitting there twiddling their thumbs, literally. Yeah, they're imagining the fix. They <laughs> don't have the device to fix it, but they're imagining the fix. Yeah, maybe give the board cube the magic fixer. So, I mean, uh-huh. I'm just saying one board cube is better than one Serena, but I just, yeah. I just, that, that, that made need, that made no sense. Um, yeah. I, I'm also wondering how the hell Elnor even spotted Narek in this scene because he never looks in any direction near Narek. They never make any indication that he spotted him. And yet in the next scene, Narek's packing up grenades and he leaves and Elnor just follows him out. He's got the um, Romulan nun powers. He's, he's had his, <laughs> I guess. Had his uh, pointed ears sharpened to a razor's edge of, of hearing acuity. Yeah. Absolute uh, candor and perfect hearing tests. That's what uh, they're all about. So Picard's a captive in the world's most technologically equipped prison cell. And Soji goes to see him, with concer- uh, which concerns Jurati. Soji says that they have no choice but to defend-, defend themselves. And Picard says, oh, that's a failure of imagination. Mm-hmm. And he urges her to shut down the summoning of human annihilation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like that they, uh, I thought that they, they draw this almost Gandalf trying to summon a moth uh up on top of uh, saruman's tower kind of thing like there's this blue butterfly mo- motif um i just he's going to snatch it and start whispering and send that clip to ian mckellen and be like see i can talk to bugs too i could have been gandalf uh changed the trajectories of our career god damn mm-hmm. it uh yeah so that, that's it yeah so she checks on him agnes i think I, at first i thought agnes was concerned too but i really think she was just wanting to see the security so she knows how many robot eyeballs she has to rip out to yeah <laughs> to get the picard out of his predicament turns out that number is one it's a good thing because if she needed two if it was yeah. a dual eyeball scan <laughs> been forget fresh about out. it yeah she'd been fresh out uh all right so this is a scene where neric packs up grenades to destroy the flower defense system and when he leaves Elnor follows uh I totally missed the relational tension here is this like they they load a lot of like backstory for Narek into a couple of lines of dialogue here about him being some kind of outcast uh right him being the the shit upon son I mean and- this has been I think an undercurrent of Lieutenant Rizzo's weird, passive-aggressive, psychosexual assault on her brother the entire season. 
I guess, like, but I never understood why, and I guess I still don't really. It, there's just like a line that tries to patch that up. Plus, I always thought the Zat Vash was a maternal order, so because like we've only seen women like participating at the highest ranks. Now there were male operatives, but I always understood them to be kind of like hijacked Tal Shiar operatives um, yeah, that that they just kind of like you know uh, took control for their purposes. So. It was weird to hear that he's the family disgrace, the Zatvash washout. Um, but I, I don't know. I, it didn't exactly come out of nowhere. But it's also like, why add this extra detail and texture in what's probably the last episode we'll see these people in? Yeah, I think they just needed uh, something to make this scene more than like, hey, I'm going out with grenades. See ya. Yeah, right. There's really no reason you should be here. <laughs> and I, I liked it. I mean, I thought like both of the actors were doing a good job. Uh, I just wish she's. I just think she'd have been much better on on the bridge right by O's side. Like maybe she even yeah. tries to rage when O st- turns away. Um, and, and maybe there's a scene, you know, when they're about to sterilize the planet, and she knows that Eric's down there or something. Like yeah. they have some kind of communication. Yeah, or yeah. that, you know, yeah, I I think they could have done more with that, but whatever. They're trying to add some color to these space Lannisters before they send them off yep. for a recurring season finale guest role where they come and try to get those synths one more time. <laughs> so next up, Rafi and Rios ponder the device that Saga gave them, and Rafi tells him to visualize the fix, and the device does the work uh, to fix the ship, and they hear a sound and follow it. I can't. Does this go anywhere? I can't remember what happens after this with them. Uh, I, I, they heard a sound. Yeah, don't they like hear a sound and head off screen at the end of this? Uh, oh yeah, because Narek's throwing rocks at him. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's that's yes. what they're doing. He's he's doing a like, you know, showing yeah, up he's... at your daughter's house at midnight trying to get her attention thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is so fucking Trek. They invent a Technobabble thing, some fuse into mm-hmm. a mixed reactor, and then they have another Technobabble thing. Well, it is almost magical. It, it, yeah, this this is like right on the line because, yes, Star Trek does this all the time. When they say, oh, we'll just recalibrate the deflector shield mm-hmm. and, and pump, you know, the anti-protons through it. Like, sure. no, nobody fucking knows what that means. Not uh-huh. even the writers know what that means, uh-huh. but it means we're going to fix the problem. Yeah. Here... They don't even try any of that. They're just like, hey, we got a busted ship. Imagine the fix. Done. Do they still I, have this thing going into season two? Because this seems like it might be a writer solution to have a single starship out there amongst the stars, you know, where you you can't just show up at a star base and replace things and you can't just refuel. It's like you've got a magic stick that can yeah, fix yeah. any damn. But it's like it's almost too good. It's almost like it's like better than a super like you literally just wave it around at something and imagine it being better and it is. And I started thinking right. like, well, this why wouldn't this work on a human being, like a biological machinery? Maybe it like, would. what is? Yeah, well, I mean, they didn't even try it when you know they didn't yeah. try to like grab it and think, uh, Picard's brain not broke. Um, like I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. uh, what are the limits of this thing? It seems like they could get themselves even skilled writers could get themselves into a lot of trouble with this. This is almost like fucking Power Rangers level of, you know, what the fuck. Yeah, it's it's also strange to me. Rios is like, he's really bought into the idea that this thing works, 
before he's even tried it or before he even knows how to use it, he's he's all excited about like the possibilities of this thing. He's not a very good skeptic, is all yeah. I'll say. Yeah, uh, even what's surprising for someone that's got no soul and, and imagination. <laughs> I think they'd be natural <laughs> right. skeptics. Uh so then Soong thanks Jurati for her sacrifice as she tries to get consciousness downloaded into a synthetic body. Uh and he calls her the mother of synths, which she takes personally. Yeah, why is she back on the like synths are gonna destroy us all bandwagon? Like, why is she so resistant to the idea that they're not she's not I, I didn't get this emotional beat. This is a I have Jurati, any of her emotional Jurati beats. turning yet another corner in her character, and I don't I don't know. Right, and every single corner is a hairpin. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Th- this is a very, very poorly written character. Yeah, her character uh, arc is essentially a pentagram, of just excru- <laughs> extreme uh, acute yeah. angles and and looping back on itself. Yep. Uh, and then Narek picks a fight with Rio and Rafi, and offers him to help stop the organic annihilation. And they invite him into La Serena, and Narek pitches him on destroying the antenna or the beacon. Picard isn't responding. Elnor sneaks up and almost kills Narek before he's calmed by the others. Did you uh, do some interleaving of these scenes, or is that that just that actually just that's happened? that's how it goes? Okay, because my notes show. have a slightly different order. Um, did you already get to the heist planning that they they went back to the? No. Okay, all right. No. Well, I have nothing um, to say about that. Okay. You know, like, either. Narek shows up. He's got molecular dissolving grenades. You either let him in to talk or he dissolves your ship and you... All right. Fair yeah. enough. Um, Kind of gives away the whole fact that, you know, the Romulans were behind the molecular dissolution of uh, Maddox's well, laboratory. They've been molecularly dissolving a lot of things this season. Like, those poison tooth yeah. now, it seems like that was a lot of molecular dis- dis- dissolvent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. some scary shit yeah I, I don't want to be molecularly dissolved no not at all <laughs> sounds bad Mm-mm. I don't want to be broken uh, into my component atoms uh, then Jurati says she needs to have some files decrypted and soon leaves her alone with Saga to go ahead and do so and Jurati steals Saga's eye yeah I don't understand a bit of what the strategy because like as soon as coming in it's like he's trying to make a tribute out of Saga's I brain or some something in her brain. Um, I wonder if the he. I wonder if he's alluding to the fact that he's trying to download her consciousness into this simulation that they've got running that has data in there and all this other stuff. Yeah, I think so. So that he they can he would be with his children. I I but it was weird and um, you know I don't know. She she used a distraction to pull out one of Saga's eyes, which was pretty fucking metal. Hmm. Yeah, I have no problems with these scenes. Okay. Um, Elnor is suspicious of Narek. Narek tells a story about the Godmadan, the end of everything, and he says he believes that the story is history and is repeating now. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty horrifying story. Uh, I like the, the drum made of children's skins that uh, she plays so hard that uh, what happens I don't she, know. Her her mind gets blown. Everyone's like, dicks fall off. I yeah. what I, I I guess my only problem is this is like happening 15 minutes before the resolution. I guess maybe we could use some of this mythology sp- spelled out more explicitly when they were dealing with some of the crazy Romulans and it would have given things more stakes, but I mm-hmm. uh, it's like I I don't I, I didn't see the utility of well 
because I, I, I feel like the Lost Arena crew already was well versed on this mythology just by talking to Soji and Picard after they got back from the Riker planet. Like, I, it felt a little redundant. Yeah. We didn't know about the skin of, of uh, the drum of skins. Hmm. That we didn't know about, and I like right. that. Right. Big fan of, of children's skin drums. Uh, history always repeats itself, is what Narek claims. Uh, that's both potentially true and also very sad hmm. um, because we are in some ways doomed by that. If you if you really believe that like we have zero ability to improve ourselves beyond uh, what has come before us, then that's that's pretty fucked. Um, and I don't think Picard would view it that way. I think Narek is kind of a disillusioned, uh, damaged person. And so he sees sort of the negative in most things. Uh, maybe Romulan, since the destruction of the homeworld, has really, you know, did a number on their public education system and they're not teaching history properly because certainly you're doomed to repeat it if you don't learn and understand history. And, you know, right. we're and, and repeating a lot of the seem, seemingly us being doomed to repeat a lot of the early 20th century mistakes in the 21st century just goes to show that, you know, education is important. And, um, you know, some people, uh, there's, you know, types of people that can learn from others' mistakes, and some people have to make the mistakes themselves. And yeah. a distressingly large percentage of the population seems like they're of that latter mold. And, yeah. So, and, I, and what you really want is the people who can learn from those mistakes in charge of leading the rest of the population. Yeah. 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 And Picard seems like the type of guy who would learn from past mistakes. Yeah. Uh, he learned plenty from Shakespeare. <laughs> uh all right so then there's this quick shot of commander O uh still heading toward them with the fleet uh i think her name is nadar the the subtitles said nadar in them it's weird because now they're calling her general even the last uh, episode they called her commodore so oh, Riker doesn't know what to call her yeah general or O or commander yeah. commodore commandant Pro, yeah uh, yeah, I think her name is Nadar, but they never say that in the series, I don't think. It's just in the closed captions. Uh, then Narek lays out a plan to destroy the transmitter by sneaking a drone into the synthetic camp inside a soccer ball, and they execute. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly like they did with that, uh, what was that, Pleasure Planet? The Gambling World? No. Oh, Free Cloud? Free Cloud. This is exact. they did the same technique where they do that, like, m mini Ocean's Eleven talk about the plan as the plan is unfolding and every time you hit a hiccup go back to them explaining the plan and i don't know uh uh s sneaking in the molecular solvent in the soccer ball i thought was interesting um mm -hmm. when the synth said you play ball i was like oh please i want to see the synths kick this ball around and watch like rio's flop yeah. sweat about like you know him and <laughs> Narek both biting their fingernails i i i uh, <laughs> the pin but, doesn't come out but they didn't do it they didn't do it like that's yeah. like so like why why even have the android like acknowledge like oh you play you, you play ball like uh, and then not do anything with it yeah I don't know. That would have been fun, but also pretty slapstick, pretty ridiculous. I, I like. Oh, it. like this show's not uh, is above <laughs> right. it. Like this show's above it. Come on. Uh, I I liked this Ocean's Eleven style thing a lot better than the one in Free Cloud. Really? I yeah. I didn't feel like it broke up the the moment. Uh, it wasn't because there as wasn't long. a moment they were going for. Right. Yeah, it was it, just like we want to show you that 
they're planning this and they're doing it. Yeah, it wasn't as long. I t- I feel the opposite though. I felt like uh, the f- using this t- identical technique twice in a, a like a nine or what ten episode run felt mm-hmm. a little I don't know um, distracting to me. But whatever, maybe it can be the show's signature. There's going to do a series of Ocean Eleven style heists scams. Yeah, every com- week confidence games every week. Yeah. This is a this is a this is a Starfleet crew than Edge. They'll trick you. <laughs> They'll defraud you. Except for that Romulan warrior nun. <laughs> yeah, he'll just point out that they're tricking and defrauding you and be giddy about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Gerardi uses Saga's eye to get access to Picard and help him escape. And then Soong finishes the encryption and sees Saga's last moments, which include being betrayed by Sutra. And he then runs into the sabotage team and decides to help them. How how does he find the sabotage team? How does he? I oh, just looks for people, looks in the shadows for people skulking about. <laughs> okay. uh, can I I so Agnes breaks into Picard's room with Saga's eyeball, and I thought, oh no, Picard's gone rapid onset senility. He's doing that mm-hmm. thing where he doesn't remember where he's at anymore. This is the second episode in the row where they've touched on that, and then it doesn't like he's just better the next scene, or he just gets it together, and I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually glad that we're that they dispensed with this because if they keep doing that, I had no idea at moment to moment how I should feel about Picard. Like yeah. he would everyone like I thought last episode they were having him uh channel some kind of synthetic intelligence or alien spirit. This episode I thought, oh well this is just a brain cloud acting up. But I don't know. I, I thought it was weird that hmm. he seemed like he didn't know where he was, who he was, where in the world he was, and then the next scene, he's just with it and giving orders and taking orders and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the, this whole thing feels odd to me. I never really know where anybody is in any given moment. Um, I never know how they meet up or how they find people. It just sort of happens. They show up where they need to be. Yeah, they establish something like the Romulan fleet seven minutes away, but that doesn't really track. Like, Yeah, I- n- none of this... I, I never feel connected to where I am at any given moment or where anybody else is. How long just, it takes to get there, yeah. Yeah, they're just where they need to be, and I, it's just bad writing. It, mm-hmm. it, it leaves me feeling disconnected from the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Picard and Gerardi get back to La Serena and see that the fleet is seven minutes away. Picard wants to stall them and hope the Federation arrives to save them, and he decides to teach the synthetics a lesson about the meaning of life and fires up La Serena. Meaning of sacrifice. They've got they got data, simulated data who could t- who could teach, you know, college level courses on this. Like, hey, you know, here's what I did. I sacrificed to save this man and here's why. Then they, they haven't learned shit. Dr. Soon's bad teacher. <laughs> yeah. Soon and Maddox just terrible teachers. Terrible role exam role models and examples. Seems like it. He calls them hermits. Uh can't learn much if you're a hermit. Yeah. And then Soong and the strike team roll up to Sutra's speech around the construction of the transmitter, and he reveals that he knows she killed her sister, then deactivates her and calls the strike team into action. Uh, unfortunately, Rios can't blow up the transmitter because Soji's standing by and he doesn't want to kill her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I was really thinking when everybody springs into action, there is no fucking way I'm going to believe that a Romulan warrior nun and a outcast Tal Shiar operative can take on an army of synths mm-hmm. 
and luckily they just go right to them getting pinned to the ground <laughs> so I, I was like okay good no i good. thought so too because i'm like oh they're making a pretty good showing of this but yeah they don't they don't you know they don't last long yeah who who decides what androids get what superpowers uh data apparently data he's the one that decides yeah. uh saga she's gonna get the crazy eyes Mm-hmm. And Sutra, she's going to get the maniacal scheming personality. And I, it's, hmm. or are they all super strong? They all like data. I assume they're all super strong. Why would Dr. Soon not make himself a body with special superpowers? I think he was. Like, that, that's the thing. I think he was making his golem. this golem yeah. with, with superpowers that androids would have or synthetics would have. Uh, but when they saw the conversation, because they, they made it clear that they were like monitoring Picard and Data's conversation oh, inside shit. the simulation. And and I assumed that they went back and like changed the golem. And I know it all happens very fast, but we're mm. not told like how long passes between him that's going true. into the simulation and coming out. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I assume they, they modify that. Uh I, I, I like this moment between Soong and uh is it Soji or is it Sutra? It might Sutra. be Sutra. Mm-hmm. Um, when he tells her that you're no better than we are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because in this moment, she's manipulating her people into agreeing with her actions. Um, and and her not just manipulating, but murdering one of her sisters to further that manipulation. Right. Um, and essentially removing the options, removing the choice from her where, people's hands. Yeah. Where did that come from? Like, cause that seems like some real Garden of Eden bite the apple shit, but there was no real insight. Like, I, I guess that's how persuasive this signal is. That if you're organic, mm-hmm. it turns you batshit and melts your brain. And if you're synthetic, it turns you into a maniacal murdering machine. Like, this really impresses you. This really makes things black and white for you. If you're a synth or yeah. a biologic, or or maybe she was predisposed to that viewpoint anyway. Um, and so this just reinforced that. But why would she be predisposed? What would be the mechanism to make her predisposed to that? She's from prismatics. She's, she's um, cultured from a data brain cell, and they were all. Pro- I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, she's raised by Bruce Maddox, who has got to hold some grudge against Starfleet for banning his work, right? Mm, that's true. Yeah, Ban- banning his creations. And they um, they talked about how distrustful and manipulated if he was. So maybe some of that worked its way into the programming. Could be. Yeah. Uh, but I like that moment. Uh, so Picard's having trouble piloting the starship and can't be bothered with Jurati's conversation. One impossible uh, thing. I like at these the time. moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, him struggling. I, it, it's, it's weird. I don't know that it's perfectly done, but him struggling with piloting the starship after so long uh, is, is really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and it's it's not very realistic that this ship is like literally finger piloted by somebody, and it's like as Picard's lurching around the controls, it's outside, right? Like, but okay, fine, whatever. Let the- uh, how hard is it in space to point your ship in a direction and have it go roughly there? Yeah, like I would think that like navigating a starship would be essentially like plotting waypoints. Then it would be uh-huh. like fire the aft maneuvering thrusters and come about, you know. But yeah. they still have that thing where all this stuff is inexplicably not automated and has to have somebody's hand on a stick. Yeah. I mean, where's where's the drama if you don't? I guess that's true. Uh, so Rios uses an explosive to try and destroy the beacon, but Soji catches it and it explodes harmlessly in the air and she continues her construction. Hell of a pitch she's got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool. I yeah. like seeing her 
heave that thing. Yeah, she just catches uh, a one arm and and throw. And then Nar, what the fuck, Narek? You, you're gonna try right back into talking her out of it. <laughs> like, I mean, Picard tries like five times in this episode. Well, but he, you know, Picard didn't tr- like didn't try to dick her down and do her dirty that That's we true. know of. Like I, yeah. I just think it's it's bizarre that he would go back to the no Soji uh, snap out of it routine, <laughs> snap out of it so we can kill you, <laughs> shut down that beacon so we can that will exterminate us so we can exterminate you, right? Uh, so Rizzo is trying to use the cube to shut down or to shoot down La Serena, but seven spots her and they begin fighting. Uh, and let's let's lump the resolution into this too seven kicks rizzo off a ledge and she falls really she, far she this is sparta's her can, can we all agree that rizzo is most likely not dead oh no i was taking that as a death why though she's I, able to teleport away at teleport a moment's a, notice yeah, maybe i guess i just want both of these twins to die to, to be wrapped up <laughs> i feel you but i i get a, a feeling we have not seen the last of rizzo hmm uh, I do like the moment where they say drop your weapon over the edge, which is a little bit of foreshadowing. Mm. Uh, and also, I don't know why, but when she calls seven a half meat, that's mm. like it, the the slur there just sounds really wrong to me. It sounds like a vicious, vicious thing to call someone. It does, except for like, would the would the is there like a a a white or is there a meat supremacy a meat power movement like you're apparently like uh your stone cold full meat brother and sisters <laughs> join arm in arm to be the synth it's it's the half meat is a weird slur because it's like is full meat good like do people say so. that i'm full meat i'm 100 percent meat all meat on these bones like i <laughs> is picard a full meat picard's no he's, he's half meat he's now. got a geranium heart uh-huh. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was a half meat before. That's what I'm saying. He's an old school half meat. Like hmm. this this what's the let's this this seems like some needless uh XB XBism. You I'm could argue with it. that putting on a pair of sunglasses makes you a half meat. Yeah. I also like how Lieutenant Liz Liz Rizzo is entirely incapable of engaging in dialogue that's not sexually charged with anyone. Even a person who's <laughs> trying to kill them. <laughs> I mean when you're in pants that tight. Like I'm, I'm surprised it. she didn't hit on her aunt, her bedridden crazy aunt. Uh-huh. Like she didn't try to slip any sexual tension in there. Didn't yeah. di- didn't nibble her ear. Didn't make <laughs> some kind of sexy aunt joke. I don't know. Like she seems crazy that way. I'm not mm-hmm. into it. I'm just saying, surprised she didn't try to pull pull anything. So the Romulan fleet shows up and decides to sterilize the entire planet. Anything there? I I actually kind of like the visual. I don't know how how realistic it was of these Romulans in formation above the planet. Like it looked like a, a old World War II bomber run. Like all these things and 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 they're all you look up and they're in profile. It, it looked like they were there to you know sterilize the planet. Mm-hmm. And she's um, called a general now. I don't I don't understand. She got upgraded from Commodore to general. General's not even a fucking naval term. What the fuck? <laughs> What the fuck? Is she going to lead a ground force? Maybe. You know, you had Admiral Piet in charge of the starships. You had General Veers in charge of the ground because George Lucas cared more about like fucking naval hierarchy than these Star Trek people do. And he yeah. barely cared. So. Uh, Soji sends the flowers after the fleet and then Rizzo's killed. Maybe, maybe not killed. 
then the flowers are getting shot to shit, and Gerardi's worried that they won't help much. And she remembers the Picard maneuver. Hey, got the name in, of the podcast in. In what, what might be the worst callback of all time? Like, I, this is so poorly done. Like, she has to explain what the Picard maneuver is for the people who are watching who don't uh-huh. know what the Picard maneuver is. Yeah. And and or the people who may have forgotten what the Picard maneuver is, mm-hmm. so that they can say, "Hey, this is a parallel. These are the same thing. Let's just do it on scale here." Right. I, but it's not. It's not the th- same. It's not the same. It's not, it's the, not s- the same. No. No, because it's it's not a. It's it's the same, and it's not the same. Um. But but they there was a way to do this where you service the people who know what the Picard maneuver is. Sure. And you don't need to worry the people who don't know what the Picard maneuver is with the details of the Picard maneuver. Mm. Like just just have have Picard explain his plan, uh, and then she dubs it the Picard maneuver, and he just gives her a look. Yeah, that would have been better, sure. Because you could pass it off as like, oh, she's this grumpy old man doesn't want a maneuver named after him. If you don't know what the Picard maneuver right. is, if you do, it's like yeah, it's an Easter egg. There's already a Picard maneuver, you doofus. Yeah, right, like, right. It, it could have been really good, and they botched it. It's like you do an Easter egg, and then you have a character describe the, you know, the thing that uh, children, 20th century children used to paint eggs uh, from a mythical Easter bunny that came at the. It's like, the, no, it's just a fucking Easter egg. Yeah, right. Picard maneuver. Plus, I didn't need to see 218 Gerardi faces uh, jumping at me <laughs> in 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 high def. That was disturbing. Yeah. Uh, and it's also the fucking Oracana is 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 back. Like that's what makes all this possible. Like shit, there this the oh. La Serena is instantly the most technologically most powerful and sophisticated because they talk they talk about the synths being generations ahead of us techno- technologically. Mm-hmm. So like anytime they need to defeat a new alien threat, they'll just plug that thing in and say, "Imagine our phasers are ten times more powerful." Ba boom. Right. Yeah, they they really broke the any tension you'd have um, over what the ship can do or yeah. how to fix the ship. Yeah. So Picard and Gerardi fly right in front of the Romulan fleet as they're about to sterilize the planet, and they duplicate themselves hundreds of times. The Romulans begin firing at the new ships, and Soji finishes the transmitter and activates it. And before the Romulans can sterilize the planet, Will Riker shows up to tell the Romulans that the planet is under the protection of Starfleet, and he threatens to kick General Nadar's ass and she prepares to fight Starfleet. Yeah, she's up in USS Zing He, which I did some research on, and it turns out that guy's a 15th century Chinese admiral and explorer hmm. uh, that led a fleet of over 300 vessels with 28,000 people on it to establish trade routes and military presence throughout the Indian Ocean, Middle East, and Africa. Uh, hmm. It's one of the reasons they became an early powerhouse of, of uh, Eastern trade. Um, so that's interesting. I don't know how I feel about these in the next generation in a last ditch survival situation. All the ships that could make Wolf 359 was 40. We talked about that last week. I don't know about like all these ships that can just like what what was there? A hundred Starfleet vessels? I, I also I liked when, when you saw a fleet battle, there was like a lot of different fleet variety. Like you'd see like some yeah. old warbirds, some new warbirds, the big Klingon battle cruisers. There's all different types of Federation ships and models and stuff that they'd have in service. Or now mm-hmm. it's like he just warps up with the shiny new fleet of these. I don't know how how powerful is a Zanghi cruiser is it like one worth two warbirds. 
Says it's, he, Riker says it's the most powerful ship that Starfleet's ever made. Right, and he's just got like dozens and dozens of them just like it. Um, I don't know. I kind of, and I, this doesn't, this doesn't come out of nowhere. Um, Starfleet has been noticeably more militarized since the Borg incursion. Um, and that would just continue with the tensions between the synths and all that kind of stuff and the Romulans. Um, I just don't like the new normal of like hundreds and hundreds of ships being able to come out into remote areas of Federation space for whatever, you know? Mm. Like, no, it did, it's some of that like scarcity of resources uh, when it comes to ships and fleets and stuff was really interesting in Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. at the end with the Dominion War because they did have hundreds and hundreds of ships, right? And there was really no way that the, the Federation was going to be able to compete with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a lot of tension there. And you're yeah. right. I feel if like if they have an endless supply of ships uh-huh. that they can just warp around the galaxy wherever they want, it kind of releases that. It also is it. weird because like the reason the the Finris Rangers exist is because Starfleet didn't and the Romulans didn't have the ships necessary to patrol this galaxy. Seems a lot like they had the ships all the time. They just didn't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, Which so how that mu- might actually play with the the history we know here. No, it might. But the it Romulans also... feel really shitty toward the Federation for. Yeah. A lot of good reasons, but maybe that's uh, on top of it all. Yeah, I I don't. Yeah, it's just I don't trust that they don't that that's a deliberate storytelling technique and not just them fucking up their own lore. Yeah, there's something really messy and boring about this battle, too. And I think it comes down to a there's so much going on that you can't really decipher any of it um, mm-hmm. on screen. And B, like you said, that these are all the same ship and like. There, there's no variety. There's no interesting uh, visuals here. Seeing, mm-hmm. you know, all these different ships kind of weaving in and out uh, in formation. Yeah, it's just it's clones. It's, it's copies of the same it's, ship it's, it's over just and over. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, there was no story about like how did Riker, you know, summon all this up? Or did how many strings did he pull? Like, there was no like tension on that side where it's like, yo, it's in a race to see if we can get enough ships together to make a difference like what kind of politics had to be played um i i don't know i i remember there's a line in the old star trek the next generation um technical manual where they're talking about the the enterprise being um built in in over you know mars shipyard and there was this like extended footnote from the production crew and they said you know we debated a long time about like how would you build a starship in the 24th century and people were like well why wouldn't you just have a, a giant replicator that you get enough energy mm-hmm. together, you just replicate the whole thing in mass. And someone, like, they had a whole debate about whether it'd be better to build it or replicate it. And someone said, you know, if you could actually build a fleet of starships with the push of the button, you wouldn't even have to. It would, because mm-hmm. it would be such a, like, balance of, like, like the one right. race that could do that would just auto win everything. It would take all the drama, everything out. And now it feels like in this version of Star Trek, we've got a cult where they can just whip up a fleet whenever they need it. And, the predict you know, these guys in, in mid nineties kind of like knew something about storytelling that these folks don't. And now they also have a magical device that can fix any ship. Yeah. With, with your imagination. Right. And how long will it take that synth technology to like permeate all of the Federation? I, th- yeah. There's yeah. a lot of interesting things you can do with storytelling, but they need to slow down and like figure out what the, the thing they want to do because I don't know. Now that yeah, it- their death isn't real. It's got the same. It's, it's so funny because we talked a lot on the Westworld podcast how much similarities there are in this season. But like, they also have a lot of the same thing. Like, if you take away 
cost and you take away like scarcity and you take away biological mortality mm-hmm. um man that really does a number on the the the, the dramatic tension in any scene and they're going to want us to believe that like things are desperate and future episodes and future seasons and that they're going to ask us to forget about all the things that we've learned in this season and right. it's going to probably be a problem but yeah yeah and and you can i'm always pretty lenient on stories that don't take their uh i guess their setups to their logical conclusions because they might break the universe and i'm, I'm kind of okay with that um mm-hmm. like you look at any simulation and you say, well, okay, why are we dealing with physical space? Um, wh- why would humans try to recreate one for one exactly their environment when computers don't need to abide by physical laws of physical space? Mm-hmm. So you could have people warping around and teleporting and doing whatever you want, but in those situations, the storytelling is what's important. Right. And so they don't create this world where you know, everybody can be everywhere at once or anywhere instantly. It's they they put restrictions on that for storytelling purposes. Yeah. And I, I think that's OK to do. But they they may or may not be doing that here. I yeah, start because I, I remember reading a lot of behind the scenes stuff about Star Trek and like how Roddenberry would agonize over things about like the, the reason they invented teleportation is because they didn't have enough money to like film a shuttle bay and have a shuttlecraft in, in the yeah. initial season of star trek so they're like well let's do that but then it's like oh man you got to have reasons for this not to work because if you can just teleport anywhere you want at any time then it and i just feel like that man whenever you're working on like anything that's fantastic it could be star, it could be science fiction it could be fantasy you got to really pay attention to the stuff that's magical in your world because if it's too mm. magical, if it's not magical enough, then everything feels rigid and um, there's there's no way to turn the tide in any particular day. But if it's too magical, then you lose all uh, sense of proportion and stakes. Um, and I feel like the old Trek crew did a pretty good jo- job of balancing that. And modern Trek has just been increasingly leaning on techno babble and crazy pseudoscience solutions of the day. And now we got Picard. Yeah, and I won't say that Star Trek never did that in the past. Um, and I don't think they've crossed a line here yet, but they're threatening to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got to say also, Will Riker continues to be the MVP of this series. He is fantastic every time he shows up. It was awesome seeing him, you know, yeah, swagger onto the screen. Oh, man. Just acting, Captain. Just acting, Captain. Uh-huh. Why has he got to be acting? Why has he got to tell O that? She ain't shit. She ain't a Commodore. She ain't a General. She's probably not even O. I mean, he's like acting Admiral in this situation, he's gotta right? He's got to be. Yeah, he's leading this massive battle fleet. It's just, it's just funny to me that like in no canonical Star Trek has Will Riker ever actually been anything <laughs> any higher than like he's never made it past acting Captain. Yeah. I know they tell me that he captained some ship for several years until his kid got brain cloud and, you know, uh, advanced brain cloud and had to retire, but I didn't see it and now he yeah. comes back he's just acting captain i don't think he ever got it i don't even got he got that fourth pip mm. i for that that the this is an acting fourth pip he's he he got here it's not not a real fourth pip when you're an acting captain do you get to wear the pips yeah i mean he had four of them on did he okay i didn't look they're just plastic they're not the full metal <laughs> i was gonna say do they give you like they're three training full pips. and one half like <laughs> well, yeah they're, they're training pips or one of training them is still like they're three gold and one silver full just to let right. him know it's acting captain. Yeah. yeah. Something. Something. Uh, anyway, Picard's brain cloud acts up at the exact wrong time to get them out of danger. And he has to be drugged up so he can be coherent enough to speak with Soji. 
and he begs her to power down the beacon with a powerful speech about trust. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually really like this speech, and I I like him, you know, leading by example here. That's that's when Picard's at his best. Uh, this is all really good Picard stuff. Why do they give everyone a reaction shot? Like, I understand like Riker being like smugly satisfied that his old boss has still got it, but like they they cut yeah. several times to O, kind of like thoughtfully pondering, and I'm like, I, man, she saw the vision. She's mm -hmm. a she's a cult. She's in a religious cult. This isn't. So, this so isn't was Gerardi an episode ago? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, yeah, yeah. She got the the half Vulcan mind meld version of it, but yeah, which which is not to nullify your point. I'm simply saying this yeah. is inconsistent storytelling here, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I don't believe, and I also, why would the Romulans? I guess it's because she shut down the tentacle. I don't know, because I'm thinking like, why would the Romulans stand down? Like these are all religious fanatics. They would gladly die. Like, why don't they just, like, fucking try to slam on, like, you know, just, 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 everybody target the planet. The Federations can't stop us all at once. The Synths have conveniently uh, focused all of their inhabitants on one small part of the planet. Like, they could absolutely mm -hmm. do this, and there's nothing the Federation fleet could do to stop them. Um, it's weird to me that these, these fanatical Romulans would just be like, well, I guess they shut down the beacon that they could build at any time again. And this right. the destroyer has the death gate technology. We'll just go home because the Federation's got a lot of these powerful ships. I mean, it seems like that's what it comes down to. Yeah. They don't want to get their asses kicked by Will Riker. Yeah. I don't blame them. Or frankly. O has a change of heart, which I don't I don't buy it either, but yeah. No. Uh so yeah, Soji does power down the reactor, uh, or the sorry, the beacon just before Synthulu comes through the portal it's opening. <laughs> Uh, the Romulans stand down and leave Federation space, and Picard thanks Riker for having his back as Starfleet leaves. Uh, Picard's failing brain gives out just as he, uh, and he flashes back to his Soji dreams, and Gerardi says, there's no point in trying to save him. He's an old man with bad brains. And then Soji says, no, 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 we're going to beam him to town square where he can say goodbye to a couple of people and then die. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's, he's that got all a brain. happens. He's got, he's got advanced brain cloud. It's terminal now. Ask Will Riker how that goes. Mm -hmm. um, I like Riker's like uh, his dealing with oh it's like hey we'll escort you at you so that won't be necessary he's like oh it's no trouble at all um, I thought that was pretty good what's yeah. he supposed to do what's he supposed to do sit in the woods and make pizza and let Picard have all the fun some some good lines I like it I like him bidding Riker adieu adieu mm. or however you say it yeah every once in a while he remembers that he's nominally French yep <laughs> Uh, I think it's when he hears his own last name. Yeah, uh, said uh, to him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I am a Picard, aren't I? Yeah, I'm gonna drop this British thing for a bit and and, and be French for a minute. Uh, and then Seven and Rios drink synthetic booze and talk about what they promised themselves they'd never do again and how they both broke those promises. I don't know that they needed to spell out that Rios promised he'd never get attached to a captain again, but yeah, they did it. yeah. Because I was actually wondering what. Seven, like I was a little curious about what Seven was talking about. Yeah, um, did she do this in Voyager? Did she kill someone who deserved it and I mean, felt like you're, okay, you're, that was you're, worth you're, it? But you're baiting the Voyager fans into saying, "Yes, yeah, she did. She did it on three separate occasions, and it was an important part of her care." And um, you need to go watch 110 hours of a show to go see yeah, that. Uh, how yeah. about you just write it and tell me yes or no? Yeah, I think I mean it's definitely like I'm curious, but it's, it's definitely something she did in this season. I mean, this is a rejection of whatever you know, philosophy led her to gun down that crime lord, but... Yeah, yeah, that's fair. 
Um, yeah, I agree. They could have handled the. Uh, uh, they could they could have handled Riosis a little better. Um, it's, it's not a big deal. I, I still liked it, but yeah. And I will say that's one I was reading Alan Sevenwall's review was why we were preparing to record. And one thing he pointed out is the thing that I think the show did do sometimes sloppily, sometimes not consistently. But there's enough rough edges that they've established on these characters that there's a lot of stories you can tell. Like yeah. Dave, like I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on Rios. I got a pretty good handle on Rafi. None of it really makes sense, but like if you just accept it as like, okay, well, this is a person who's got a child who she estranged because she was pursuing this conspiracy theory that turned out right, and she's also got a drug and alcohol addiction, and then Rios is haunted over the like. And Girardi did the, like. The, there's a lot of you know they, they they there is complicated characters as Picard at this point, and they've done it in ten episodes worth versus I don't know how many hundreds of things I've seen Picard in and books I've read. So that's pretty yeah. that's pretty strong. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not complaining about this scene. I think it was mostly good. Um, but sometimes the less said, the better. What do you think he meant when, you know, because there's this big tearful scene where he's saying goodbye to Elnor and Raffi, and he tells Raffi that you were right and then dies. What was she right about? The snake leaf? The Yeah, yeah. He was he was hitting the horgle in that scene. <laughs> uh, you're right. This is primo shit. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think if... I think that's what she wanted from him, like a, an honest, genuine like moment where he admits like you were right about the Romulan thing the entire time. But there might be some oh, some other yeah. subtext that that's I, it. That's I'm not it. Catching. No, that's that's actually it because her whole plot line is she had been, you know, alienated from all facets of society, her down to her family because of this conspiracy theory that's tilting at windmills, and she was right. And she got like a half moment of this on the ship. Um, when they, I forget the exact context of that scene, but there was a moment where Picard says, you're right, uh, but not in so many words and doesn't like let it linger like she yeah. wants. She clearly wants to be fucking right about everything. She wants to be, yeah, get an I told you so in, which fair. The yeah, guy like did. When, in this episode when she's like, oh, Rios, tell me I'm right, huh? Yeah. Okay, now say it again. And he's like, piss off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, she's which been a, she's been in the wilderness for 14 years for no damn good reason. Yeah, she She's wants to feel left that. To twist in the snake leaf bong, and <laughs> she's mad at the world. I understand. So then we get to what I think is the best part of the episode, the last five minutes of this episode. Uh, Picard finds himself in a strange dream where he gets to tell Data all the things he wished he could tell him before Data sacrificed his life to save him. Picard's consciousness was imaged before his death, and he has to go into another body, and Data asks Picard to please terminate my consciousness when you leave so that I can be more human, uh, and the finite nature of my life will make it mean something. And Picard agrees and finally says goodbye once and for all to Data. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really good Data. Like, um, as good as I thought Data was in the first episode, like, I'm just talking about his look and his affect. Like, they had a really dialed in. This was a yeah. really good Data, uh, and the back and forth they had. Um, I, I will say that Data existing in a simulation has a hell of a lot more questions that I would like answered to that I'm never going to get answered to. Like, yeah. why does Data want to die now? Like, he didn't live a natural life. Picard's going to get the chance to live out his natural life. Why not Data? Data has all these children mm -hmm. to live well, for. Data, I mean, Data above all wanted to be human, right? And yeah. Being human includes dying. Right. Um, which, it, it, there's this really touching moment where Picard 
you know, kills data, but he's he's giving data the one thing he's always wanted, which is the final completion of his journey to being a human. But if Picard never showed up, would he would data just stayed in the simulation forever? Like he's got like his it. brother he could talk to, all of his children, Maddox, like and this is the Right. Why would the he first... agree to have, be in the simulation in the first place if he wanted to die? Yeah. Yeah, I there's a, a like I said, there, there's a lot of questions. I I don't want cuz again, Brent Spiner and uh, Patrick Stewart have a lot of affection for each other. Uh, have a lot of respect. Uh, these are two characters that I fucking love. They're like in my top 10 characters of all time. And I really loved it. I, I wish there was. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could go back and undo Nemesis, honestly. Um, and but but like this is, I think, uh, data dying that actually has an appropriate amount of gravitas and heft to it. Yeah. Um, so getting a redo on the the Nemesis death was even though it doesn't make sense in context of where data's at now. But I don't know. There's I th- I thought uh, there was a lot of good stuff in here where he talks about his brother Dr. Alton Soon and Picard's like I don't care for him. He's like oh you know the Soons are an acquired taste. That was a uh, uh-huh. that was funny. Uh, Picard tells Data he loves him, and Data makes that face where he's taking on new information. He's like, "Well, that that forms a small but statistically significant data data point in my memories." Yeah. Uh, I, it's 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 really good. It's really good. It is. Um, and they have this you know idea embedded into this scene where uh, life is only precious because it doesn't exist forever. It's very um, that's that's something they're pounding on the Westworld right now. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. I we the the trouble here is we don't have a counterpoint. We don't have a counterexample um, to sort of point to and say, "Hey, but it can also be precious even if it's not finite." Um, I don't. Know we we don't have it. that experiment, and we yeah. don't really have that ability to do the experiment. So, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Like, I'm pretty open to. Um... Like altered carbon, uh, Picard, Westworld arguments that like if you take away the scarcity of human life um, mm-hmm. or its fragility, that like you know what the, the the concept of the sanctity of human life or the preciousness of human life that goes out the window. If people don't die, they're just like paused. Well, mm-hmm. they got their their cortical cortical stack needs to be put in some other sleeve or whatever. That that is of you've you've gone through a doorway. I don't know what human civilization looks like after that, but like a lot of our fucking human experience is defined by an impermanence, you know, and it's it's been explored through many fantasy and science fiction films. Uh, Lord of the Rings was all about the the tension between the elves and the men, and the men have the gift of men, which is to die, who they see as a bitter gift, and you know, like it it causes all kind of tr- troubles. I I don't know what human society looks like if, um, either the entire population or small pockets of it just don't have to die anymore. Yeah, I mean, I I. So I don't think that idea is wrong. Um, and I, I feel like that scarcity is precious in, or does make life precious in some ways, but also everything dies eventually. Like the universe that we That's live true. in is going to eventually die. And so like to, to say that there, that it's not finite is a little bit strange to me. Um, the, the Q I think is like the only entity in Star Trek that I would say is infinite. Like yeah. they're they have the ability to truly live forever if they want. They're outside of space and time. And they're depicted because uh, I did make it far enough in the Voyager to see the Q continued episode where they're essentially this dry, desiccated, bored, apathetic right. species that can't like it's like they can't even get out of bed because what's the point? You know? Yeah. But like, where do you draw the line? Right. I mean, even Picard is 
sort of questioning that by the end of this episode. He's like, oh, I would have appreciated 10, maybe 20 more years. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. Where do you draw that line? 500 years? No, 6,000 I mean, years? 25 that, million years? Like, right, right. That was it's always... It's kind of arbitrary what we call, you know, a lifespan at that point. But, yeah, but, but would that make it any less precious? Yeah. I don't I know, because like this, uh, this thing is like... Um, yeah, you ask people if you want 10 or 20 more years, almost I'm sure everyone, if they're in good health, would say yes. Uh, on the other hand, like, I don't know. I, I, so that's something I was, I was in the back of my mind back when we were in the, the when I was in the religion that taught me that I was going to have an immortal life. It's like, man, what is it? Like, at what point do you get bored or are you just tired of living or you're tired of the cycle of everything? Or I, I don't know. That's mm -hmm. I, I think that's stuff that's interesting to explore. Like, anytime you're dealing with, like, vampires or any other very old type of person like that that seems like uh, they get a couple thousand years on them and it's like eh i'm tired of this yeah and I, I mean i think um data also stands as sort of a counterpoint to exactly what he's talking about here because you know picard is able to kill him mm -hmm. so he's not immortal um he doesn't have to live forever and also it's the details of data that i think make him precious because i could see very very many other characters like let's say um rizzo was in data's shoes and rizzo didn't have to die she was a synthetic and android i don't know that i would feel her life is as precious as data's oh, simply I'll because of who co -sign. she is <laughs> i'll co-sign that that's not a the controversial point yeah. right so so my point is like it what is it that makes the life precious is it the characteristics of the life is it the length of the life is it something else entirely i mean i don't have any of the answers i'm simply asking questions data but I think says it's very because interesting things are precious because when they cannot endure and he throws peace love and friendships in that and I, I don't know that's that feels yeah. right to me all right um so from now on picard doesn't exist it's only the golem now mm -hmm. uh the golem wakes in a body that is just as shitty as the one picard died in <laughs> except the brain abnormality is gone uh, the golem promises data uh, to shut him. Uh, promised data to shut him down, um, and so he does that. And afterward, the crew assembles to leave, and Soji joins them. I'm surprised. I saw on some uh, Star Trek message boards where people were really bothered by the fact that, like, well, Picard's an, uh, for all purposes gone, and now we've got this android construct that thinks he's Picard. And I'm like, bitch, what <laughs> yeah. do you think teleportation does? Right. Like. It's canon that people are molecularly broken down and dissolved, and then their component atoms are beamed at somewhere and reassembled in a similar fashion. And they have a whole bunch of like, oh, that's a quantum brain scan, all that. But like every time that's you get a it here, every time you get in a teleporter, they fucking kill you and recreate you. So like this is literally the exact same process. If you if you would step in a transporter, you would absolutely get golemized, and yeah. yeah. I mean, golem, that's not going to stop me from calling Picard the Golem from now on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. This sounds weirdly, and it sounds like weirdly like a like an anti-Semitic dog whistle. <laughs> you know, like you talk about Golem with the parentheses around it. Picard's uh, now a Golem. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I truck with that. <laughs> that's fair. Also, Picard goes and God damn it. What is precious? Because Picard wakes up and he goes to like Dr. Soon and it's like, oh, you made quite the sacrifice to give an old man three more minutes. And he kind of makes the like Dr. Soon makes the kind of like, eh, kind of bummer face. Build another golem. Yeah. Build another golem. I don't think it, it took him 14 they, years to build the golem. They never appropriately calibrate the time 
the ticking time bomb here yeah on on soon like is he dying tomorrow is he dying 50 years from now because he's just an old man does it like, take yeah does it take five years to build a golem because they're 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 shitting out these half half uh, data abominations like there's hundreds yeah. of them running around out there they do not do enough to make me understand why it's so important this this golem yeah no mm-hmm uh, there, there is a really nice moment here too. Uh, there are a couple of them. I mean, the him unplugging data is amazing, and his his, uh, I guess the way he explains it to everybody else is that he wanted to be part of the human family, um, which now the human family is bigger than just the organics, right? It's the organic and the synthetic humans, um, and they they really do a nice job of tying that together at the end. Yeah, and I actually said that despite myself. Because I thought a lot of this lead up was silly, but like simulated Picard holding a simulated data's hand as he visibly ages and kind of withers away and disappears into digital dust was a fucking yeah. moment. I got kind of choked up, um, uh, you know, data listening to the blue skies and sipping brandy. And mm-hmm. uh, it also dissolved into like just a v- beautiful space scene. Uh, I thought that was really, really affected. Affecting. Oh, I- I forgot to talk about the look of the simulation. I really love the the look of it. Everything's flat gray, like mm. a three D scene without textures on yeah. it. Like it it really evoked like this is a simulated space. Yeah. Um very cheaply. They just probably spray painted a bunch of IKEA furniture. Was data where I I, I wanted a chance to look this up, but I didn't. I wanted to go back to all good things and look at what data was wearing as an Oxford professor or whatever. He was wearing it was a very same... similar. I thought so. I thought it, so. it might have just been spray painted gray. Honestly, ah, okay, or I, or you know muted tones because I had that kind of like kind of smoking robe and uh-huh. ascot kind of thing. Um, I he wanted the shock of white hair. Yeah, yeah. Well, he got it by the. I mean, he he essentially drank the wrong grail pulling those three plugs. <laughs> this got the exact yep. same effect. Um, I don't know sure what pulling plugs would 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 aid you. Like is one of those red plugs the keeping data young in the simulation I, plug? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but I'm not gonna scrutinize it too hard. Yeah, yeah. It's like the three it reminded me of it reminded me of the like um like lethal execution or lethal injections where it's like a three part thing. Like this is the one that stops data, this is the one that paralyzes data, this is uh, the one that stops his heart, and this is the one that keeps him from breathing. And <laughs> they hit him hit him with all of them at once. Wow. Uh, and of course, they couldn't just leave it on this beautiful moment. Uh, mm. They had to have Gerardi stick her nose into the the mix here and say that Starfleet has lifted the ban on synthetics 45 minutes after the synthetics right. decide not to kill them. How the fuck did this happen so fast? The card showed up to Admiral, <laughs> what's her name? Clancy's office and put the, yeah. put the moves on her. Say, look, <laughs> we got to talk about this. She started running her fingers through his chest hair. Oh, I've never met a acting it's... captain so persuasive before. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's it. Like that. Boom. Clancy's on ridiculous. board. Clancy's on board. Um, uh, Gerardi, I'm curious. Did the Federation also drop their ban on murder? You're yes, still fucking she... like they don't deal with that. Like they don't. They, they have a fucking murderer on board. Murder mm-hmm. in cold blood. Like, I guess she's going to be ruled uh, uh, insane by virtue of a mind meld. <laughs> I don't know. I guess. I have no idea. Is that something um, they're going to deal with going forward? Or is it going to no. be like the La Serena could just be like, you know what? This is our dirty little secret. Bruce Maddox died of his injuries. 
it would be nice if they did that, but I don't think they're going to. I think they're just never going to mention it again. Mm. Nah, it'll come up in like an episode two or season two plot. Like, you know, she'll have to deal with the fact that uh, they'll go to some world like, hey, wait, you're wanted for murder. Oh, Jesus. Let's give it. Maybe go to Deep Space Nine and Odo. Odo's a stickler. He's a real stickler on like. Man, you thought he was he was tight, a hard ass about quark running <laughs> synthahol scams. Uh-huh. Wait until a murderer steps on the station. Hell yeah. Fugitive from justice. Holy shit. He'll turn into I... an oak table and get her. <laughs> <laughs> He'll turn into a sexy Romulan. Didn't Odo I thought Odo merged with the ocean. I thought he merged with his people at the end of Deep Space Sun. I forget. Because I, I, I thought, that, yeah, like there's some kind of like uh, somebody poured his bucket into the ocean and that was it. I might <laughs> be misremembering things. Uh, all right. That's it for the episode. Do we have some feedback? Well, today? actually, we talked about where did the Rafi seven relationship come from? I got oh, a yeah, definite, they're holding hands at the table there. Got a definite uh, and not like friends holding hands, but kind of like uh, potential lovers that seemed to come oh, out yeah. of nowhere. Um, uh, well, yeah, I to... think they're setting something up for season two, I assume. Yeah, I thought that was, well, but, you know, do you need to foreshadow two people falling in love? Like, you can just show the relationship forming. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Rotten and Gerardi and Rios. I was like, everyone's coupling up, man. Oh, well, wait until Elnor gets in the mix. It might be a threesome. That's true, because he, yeah. he'd miss his, uh, hot mama figure. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, I don't know. They're they're free to travel the universe. Um, we talked about what the show. Did you have any speculation on what this, uh, sh- what kind of shape the show will be in next year? No, but I am glad to see that Picard uh, slash the Golem is still there. Uh, I and, and they didn't do some like Soji becomes Picard or the ship is named Picard or something mm. like that. They're actually going to have Patrick Stewart. Uh, yeah, it seems when he died, when he was going through the death scene, I'm like, those sons of bitches, they did it. They did it. They're going to call it the Picard or their Soji. Soji's going to take his last name. And yeah. they I'm actually kind of impressed that they didn't. I mean, it just excites me because I love Patrick Stewart and I'm looking forward to him being on the next season. Yeah, for sure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, well, let's get the feedback. Uh, feedback, once again, can be sent to Picard at baldmove.com, although this is the last podcast we'll be recording. Uh, so be on the lookout. If season two comes out and the schedule works out, uh, we'll, we'll blow the dust off the feed and, and get right back to it. Here's what we got sent through subspace this week. John said, I was listening to the latest podcast discussing episode nine of Picard, and Aaron brought up two different versions of bad writing randomly because something in the episode reminded him of them. Uh, he referenced the island in the first Transformers movie. Guess who wrote both of those terrible scripts? Our friend and current head writer of Star Trek Picard, Alex Kurtzman. Jesus. What are the fucking odds, man? Because <laughs> I don't think you knew that at the time, no, right? You just picked two no. examples that came to you? No, I'm, I was, I, I, you know, as the guy schooled me on last week, I didn't know, I knew nothing about uh, either of the gentlemen other than that they were responsible for disco and there was a lot of people mad at him. Uh, I just pulled those things completely at random. 
Hmm. Uh, Seems to be a pattern. But it does. Yeah. Like, it's like, I wonder if he doesn't have some copy paste shit where he just changes proper nouns and, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, jazz. Um, Anyway, he also had some thoughts after seeing the final episode. John's opinion is this show is total garbage. My expectations have been steadily dropping throughout since or since episode two, but even then I was dumbfounded by how truly terrible this was. It feels like they didn't plan out the season at all, like not just dumb and uninteresting plots, but no plot, just nonsense. I actually think the bullet points of this plot are pretty good. Yes, I think they did plan out the the plot. I think they just didn't fill in the blanks. They yes, they came up. They did not connect those bullets in a very believable or realistic manner, and 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 or consistent in all cases. Uh, the mood this whole season, no one has been a consistent character. The mood of an episode or even single scene will switch on a dime for no reason. Things just sort of happen, and not even always just to serve plot convenience, but because I'm not sure all the writers knew the plot. Uh, that does it does feel like some people were they divided this and conquered and like you write this you write this you write this well I'll try to stitch it together. Um, uh, so many things were introduced that just go nowhere and amounted to nothing. What was the point to any of this? Did fifty different people with different ideas of what they wanted to be write this thing? Probably. I could rant forever about this awful bullshit show, but who wants to read that? Uh, hopefully someone will write into you guys and not just say they liked it, but explain why they liked it. Uh, so like. I liked Picard because the big sci-fi questions it was pondering, I think, are inherently interesting. You know, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's it's not for nothing the same shit that they're talking about on a much, much bigger budget and and people take it much more artistically s- serious on Westworld. Um, I like it because Patrick Stewart is still amazing and he's portraying one of my, you know, Matt Rushmore characters. Like, Picard's a personal North Star of mine. Um so I like that. And I also I'm a giant science fiction whore. Like if it's got spaceships and stars and weapons firing um, and shields exploding, I'm going to be uh, predisposed to like it. And yeah, I, I like it because the the spirit of Star Trek, uh, especially the next generation, is still there. I can see the the edges of it, um, even if it doesn't always you know come into full focus. But yeah, yeah th- those things. Those things excite me about the show. I thought the design was really cool, like updating the Borg stuff to make it less Erector set and like, you know, like continuing to flesh out that technology. Um, I liked what they did with Hugh, even though I thought probably could have kept him around as a recurring character. Um, I, this, the stuff of seven in the Borg was really interesting, threatened to be really interesting. Like if I wish when she had unplugged that there was like a little bit of a haunted quality to her, like, Mm -hmm. like, uh, uh, someone who like tried heroin one too many times and is trying to stop, you know, like uh, oh, when, like Rafi. Yeah, like <laughs> when all the world's a snake, ju- a snake leaf pipe, then you hit it on all occasions. But when yeah, when all the world's a board cube that you can just take over and and subvert people's will and get things done, like that's probably literally addictive. And I think they could have done they, a better job playing with that. Um, also, like the characters, like I said, I don't think they did it consistently, like John was saying. But I like, I like Rios. Mm-hmm. I think Rios is pretty cool. I even like his goofy holograph things. I think they can do a lot with that. I like Rafi. Um, I don't like Girati. No. Still haven't turned the corner on her. I like Elnor. Elnor is like a, the classic fish out of water. Doesn't really understand the finer points of humanity. He's got special powers. Um, I mean, Seven is a delight. Like adding her to the crew. Mm-hmm. I got no complaints. Yeah, Jerry Ryan's that. fantastic. I mean, they they, yeah. they didn't have a problem 
creating characters that I liked. They had a problem using those characters in ways that I liked and and found believable. Yeah, yeah, and, and so like yeah, I could see them telling other stories with these characters that I'd be way into. Uh, Jay Chris wrote in, this was previous to this episode. He goes, so far I'm enjoying Picard more than I thought I would. And I think that's a reason. The reason is why is due to the writer's inclusion of references and characters that we know to win over older fans. Yeah. One thing this show did very well and consistently well is fan service. Mm-hmm. Like they, I will not say yeah. these people are not Star Trek fans. Sure. Yeah. They know their Star Trek lore. They clearly have watched all of Star Trek and love it. Uh, I don't know that they're, <laughs> Their writing skills were up to the challenge of creating mm-hmm. those moments um, the mm-hmm. way that I wanted them to. Like I mentioned, the Picard maneuver being botched this episode, but like, yeah, there are some really genuinely amazing moments. Like especially when they go to Riker and Troy, mm-hmm. th- those moments just work. Like Data, mm-hmm. th- that just works. All of it works yeah. because they have a fondness for these characters. Yeah, like Riker still ordering shields up on his house is I like fucking love it. It's so yeah, good. It's really good because he sounds and look. He even got the same kind of like half three quarter turn and looking up into the like what. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, he's this when they talk to the chef. computer. Yeah, there's there's a position you assume when you're talking to the computer. You kind of stand back and profile and look <laughs> off and you know. It's great. Uh, it's 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 yeah. The the years just melted away. <laughs> uh, it, that was amazing. Uh, so Chris says, with that said, should we expect a heroic appearance at the last moment by someone we know, perhaps Captain Worf of the Enterprise? As much as I like acting Captain uh, Riker, we already had a really good Riker scene. Mm-hmm. Captain Worf would have been pretty sweet. Or Captain Jordy. Captain Crusher. Wesley Captain Crusher. Captain Crusher. I don't buy. Oh, oh, fuck. Yep. Nah, Will would be insufferable. <laughs> Will would be. Fu- He's borderline insufferable already. If you made yeah. him Captain Wesley Crusher, he would it, it destroy what career he's built for himself. <laughs> I like to think that Wesley Crusher would have grown into the man that Picard wanted him to be. He would never take off the uniform. He would it's show true. up in real life uh, dressed up like that. It'd be like a Bella Lugosi thing. He'd be buried in that thing. Uh, but I could have taken a, I could have taken a Captain Worf, a Captain LaForge. Mm-hmm. Would have been kind of cool. Uh, what if LaForge what? just developed a Scottish accent? <laughs> yeah, I would like, I would like to see, I would like to see that LeVar Burton attempt a Scottish accent. Yeah. Uh, Jay Chris also uh, speculates that perhaps we will see more things from Dr. Soon in the future. Um, perhaps we'll see an upgraded lore who's been secretly plotting in the wings all along. I, I, I would love to see lore brought back. I don't know how they'd explain it, but like a renegade lore nursing his wounds and plotting revenge for like 20 years would be pretty fucking cool. Yeah, that could be cool. And they've already established that they're a sort of, uh, splinter factions of these synthetics, right? Because like D- Maddox's lab was destroyed. I mm-hmm. assume there were a lot of synths living there as well because Soji lived there for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And so like you could see, okay, maybe th- we saw one glimpse into the synths, but there's a whole nother glimpse r- led by sure. lore or a copy of B4 or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, but that's, to that because I, I read an interview where Brent Spiner said, All right, I'm 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 officially done playing data, but he left open that he might play like these riff kind of characters like mm. Dr. Soon. And they've got the technology like Brent Spiner looked like fucking data from 20 years ago. Yeah. Like it is in, uh, entirely convincing. And I think that he would enjoy playing lore like a real true like it like this is the true mega villain. Like what if lore 
because you know one of the things lore was is he like summoned that crystal in crystalline entity mm. like he was like the fucking uh, silver surfer to its galactus right yeah why couldn't he just you continue that with the uh, Technothulu or whatever you called it. Yeah, and he, he had a whole army of uh, synthetic followers. Like, or yeah, Exborg followers. He could do that with synthetics. Like, Yeah, I would love to see lore built into like the the con of this yeah. series. Like the, like the big fucking bad. Like he doesn't show up all the time, but you need a hammer for a plot line. He's there. I, I think that'd be really cool. Uh, Dining from Levittown says, I agree with most of your criticism of the new series. While much better than Disco, Picard had some basic writing issues. One thing I hope to have cleared up in the season finale is why the Federation has become what it is. They spend so much time playing homage to Voyager and obviously Next Gen that they forgot about Deep Space Nine. There's a whole war where the Federation almost lost everything. Can someone in the Federation spell that all out? I, I don't know. I think that's another thing the show did right, is that the world building... Like, this does feel like a federation that went through a lot of recent traumas. Yeah, the one you know? thing they took away from the Deep Space Nine lessons is uh, we got to start replicating ships. We just got to yeah, do it. Lots of ships, lots of ablative armor, Can't build them lots anymore, of torpedoes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that, you, that to me, this this kind of darker, more suspicious, more militant federation and Starfleet feels like a natural outgrowth of all of the war and destruction that they've seen in the galaxy. Mm. Um, in fact, I really hope this is the turning point that we can go back. You know, I've said this like, since episode one, I hope this is a turning point where the Federation can refine itself and align for a next, next generation of kind of like positive, you know, it can have a little bit of shades of gray if they're off doing Fenris Rangers type stuff. But I, I want to see some first contacts. I want to see some goofy alien civilizations. I want to see, some naked morality plays that say something about, you know, the human condition in the last five or 10 years. I, I, I could totally get down for that. Bill D says, what a ride is Commodore general sunglass model. O the most ridiculous star Trek character ever made initially initiate planetary sterilization, targeting pattern. Number five, <laughs> they, they did have essentially lurch in star Trek at one point. Yeah. Um, they've had some very goofy ass characters. Yeah. The Ferengi were pretty ridiculous. Wesley Crusher. <laughs> Wesley Crusher. <laughs> um, but yeah, the sunglasses, I think we've also learned we don't need to see sunglasses in Star Trek. The future's so yeah. bright, but we don't need the shades. Um, misses for me were Starship porn. We got to see how awesome the Romulan ships look, but all the Federation ships, including Riker's Lona's ship, were from far away and without scale. Uh, they looked like they had those sovereign class lines that I love from Enterprise E, but we really deserved the hero ship sweeping shot. And we never got it. Yeah, it's not like the like mm -hmm. I'm thinking of like in First Contact where um, the Enterprise E glides in front of the the um, Reliant right before it gets blown up, and you get to see. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're begging for it because you got this little Millennium Falcon class ship, like seeing the Zhang He kind of like swoop in and in a like a mother hen role would have been kind of cool. Also, yeah. yeah, like they're just all Zengs. Like, just cop. Speaking of cloning, they're just someone in the video toaster. Control C, Control Ving. This thing like two hundred fifty times. Mm -hmm. Need some variety. Uh, Bill continues. I think seven of nine and Rafi might make an awesome power couple, but it sort of came out of nowhere. I'd like to see them develop that more naturally. Yeah, I don't know why you got to foreshadow. Although, what if they just like they just want to fuck, man? Like they have mm -hmm. a connect the physical connection and that, Hey, you know, there's only so many bunks in this ship. Let's share it. And it doesn't have to be any more than that. Maybe one of them catches feel like I, 
It's not unheard of for two attractive people to just start fucking right away. Gerardi and Rios did that in this season. So. Yeah, it didn't count, come from nowhere. It's just like, hey, you're hot, and you know, let's do this. I got snake leaf. You got Borg implants. Let's see how that stuff mixes. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Wackadoo fleet sizes. Still seems unlikely that the Romulan fleet would match the size of the Federation fleet given the Romulan supposedly weakened position post-supernova. That, th- yeah, none of that shit makes sense. Like, is, are the Romulans some broken diaspora of people across a bunch of backwater impoverished planets? Or are they a sophisticated 25th century race that can field hundreds of starships at literally a moment's notice? Yeah. Uh, they're both. They're both. <laughs> they're Schrodinger's Romulan fleet. Uh, the way that space battles are shown were messy and hard to follow, sometimes following one or two hero ships' advantages to storytelling and the perspectives can lend, lend the viewer insight into a larger battle. I do agree with that. Some of this stuff, and this is... Disco had this problem in spades. There's so much moving shit, and the camera's twirling so much that I kind of missed the old TNG where, like, a war, like a, a warbird and the Enterprise would, like, fucking square off, and they would just have, like, a limited battle, or maybe another bird of prey would show up, or... Uh, yeah, this is... But I, I don't know. I really like the Space Flowers. Um, the kinetic energy of Picard trying to, like, f- pilot through all that shit was pretty high drama, I thought. Uh, Bill says... Yeah, interrupt me anytime you want. Bill says, uh, on tactics, having so many Romulan ships and what might have been a checkerboard pattern, I was hoping for some spatial Roman Legion-type wave, attack, cycling, sort of like the unsullied ordered retreats in Game of Thrones, but instead of with coordinated cycling attacks forward for... uh, optimal use of overwhelming force against imagination machine ghost ships. But, you got to recalibrate your hopes and dreams here, man. <laughs> yeah. Instead, we got a lot of messy, partially flower obstructed mess of pew 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 and dominatrix O yelling at the view screen. <laughs> uh, yeah, when I saw them in that like big phalanx, I was thinking like, did you, did you ever play that Homeland game or Homeworld uh-huh. game where you could yeah. like order into sphere formation or wall formation or diamond thick? Yeah, I want to yeah. see big fleet battles. That'd be kind of cool. I don't think they should have doubled down on Data's death, Bill continues. I don't know why they didn't just resurrect a Data bot instead of giving him uh, uh, or leaving him in the Moriarty-style cube thing to eventually be unplugged. Seemed like he's wanted or he'd want to gather more life experiences and age out naturally like Picard will. You know, meet his daughter, feed Spot 2.0, learn to smoke some snake leaf and listen to snake jazz. I I agree. Yeah. I this this is one of those things that felt emotionally resonant but wrong and yep. that it was a manufactured moment to put a cap on this particular season and I don't know I don't know I'm with you did no, nothing nothing about the the practicality of anything yeah. or the logistics of anything felt right in the show plus like it, it, if Data lives, then you almost have to include him on the show. You can't have mm-hmm. Picard be like, oh, Data, I love you. I love you so much. This is the culmination of my life. I got to tell you how much I love you and I miss you. And then Data's like, well, <laughs> guess what? Gollum 2.0. Golem. Golem 2.0, I'm going to be in it. And Picard's like, oh, well, you know, I say that to a lot of people. And then I abandon them. You'll see me in 14 years when there's another. It would feel weird. And Brent Spiner doesn't want to do it. Like, there's that. Like, he doesn't want to yeah. get in the makeup, and he doesn't want to do all the CG and to have the golf balls glued on his face. Like, he might do it for one or two episodes for lore, but he's not going to do it all season long. So, I don't know. 
the things they hit for me was they managed to not tie it directly into the Discovery control plot line at all. Bravo for that. I don't... Does Discovery take place in the same contemporary, contemporaneous time? I... Man, why did I think it took place before? I thought it was a prequel too, but like a just barely before Next Generation prequel maybe, or just after... I didn't think it took place in the same time. I thought it was between well. like Enterprise and original series for some reason, but that you can't be, be right. Well, no, because it was, yeah, you're, no, you're right, because it had uh, Captain Pike. That's exactly it. It's like right at the dawn of the old series, like just prior to the old, like Kirk taking over in the old series. Yeah, that, mm. so tying any of that stuff in would be strange. Yeah, like the next generation, like obviously the plot is not raging in the next generation, so it would have to be resolved. Um, yeah. Uh, Data's going to be gone for real dead. I thought Data sitting off here sort of fixed the Data funeral and B4 tonal problems of Nemesis for me anyway. I agree. I agree. It felt like a nice reboot, redo of that. Uh, I'm also down for Picard Season 2. Seeing Patrick Stewart shudder the played-up frailty and freed from Data guilt might be awesome. I I agree. Like, uh, as much as everyone celebrated his vulnerability and the interesting things that allowed him to do storytelling, I'm ready to see the confident, mature skilled diplomat commander picard uh take the stage yeah that'd be awesome and that's it that's all the feedback we have we're we're, we've cleared through our subspace transmissions we've consumed all the available simulations um we are now waiting for picard season 2.0 and again if you missed our discussion uh in previous weeks we feel pretty confident that we'd like to come back to the world of Picard, uh, but it does, you know, it, it does entirely depend on the schedule. If there's uh, uh, several larger shows or we're in the middle of a big project, sometimes those things fall by the wayside. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, we do appreciate the response. Seems like people really uh, resonated with our takes on Picard, and I enjoyed doing them. I've really, yeah, I, I had a ton of fun covering this show. Yeah, like like. Uh, I will say this too. Um, I have so much affection for this franchise that laughing at this show felt entirely different from like laughing at The Walking Dead. Where like you know, laughing at this show feels like when your friend makes an ass of himself, but you still love him. Whereas right. Walking Dead is kind of like you're like American Idol style. Like, look at this fucking deluded person and how stupid they are. They can't mm-hmm. sing. Don't they have anyone that loves them that tells them they can't sing? Uh, it's a little bit more cruel, less positive, less good natured. Uh, but I liked it. I liked it. I, I, I've really thoroughly enjoyed doing this podcast and I'm glad cause this was also a complete snap decision we made, yeah. um, uh, very early on in the year and I'm, I'm glad we did it. Glad we did. It's been, most- yeah, it, I mean, you look at TNG, there's plenty of stuff to laugh at. Oh uh, yeah. I just did a rewatch of most of it and yeah, I was laughing through half of that, but the, the writing was solid. You know, the writing was always consistent. Um, yeah, there were some silly episodes and stuff, but like you said, you can laugh at it in in a good-natured way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Picard has mostly succeeded. And I think that's like Picard still retains that quality, where P- the next generation yeah. never took itself too seriously, but when every once in a while it did take itself seriously, it had the acting chops and the history of the character that were you could do that. You could do you could like in a yeah. moment be like, oh my god, this is moving. I'm you know I'm tearing up. And then the next thing, you know, Data's tap dance. The next episode, Data's tap dancing with Crusher on the holodeck. Uh, I think Picard can do the same thing. Like, there's enough acting talent and enough effort that they put into characters that you can have a, a series like where they go down to some space planet and they're wearing pimp gear, and Picard's got this outrageous villain accent, 
And then you can still shed a few tears when he says goodbye to his Android friend. So if mm. they can keep that to where it's fun to laugh at the silly stuff, but it's still serious enough, you can take it serious when it needs to be, then, then I'll keep watching. Just season two, tighten up the writing. Tighten yeah. up uh, the... the There's got... Don't just go for a moment. Make it make sense within the context of everything else. There's got to be a bunch of people in the HBO, Netflix, uh, uh, FX, AMC, Pool that are long-term mm-hmm. Star Trek fans, would love to write for a science fiction show, you know, maybe free some of these other people to work on other opportunities, uh, get some fresh blood in there, and, and see what you can do. Yeah. We'll see. I don't have any faith. <laughs> I don't even faith that the writing's going to dramatically improve next season. But maybe either. marginally. Maybe we can get, like, a season one to season two improvement. It's yeah. too much to hope for a season two to season three improvement, uh, TNG-wise, but... Uh, all right. Again, thanks everyone that's that's gone on this journey with us. That's gone on this uh, this arc with us. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you back next season. If not, we are currently doing. Uh, uh, Jim has got uh, a co-host. They're doing Better Call Saul on a weekly mm-hmm. basis. Still in the middle of that. We just got started on Westworld uh, on the third season. We still got six episodes to go on HBO. Um, they just canceled Fargo. So we're not yeah, sure what we're going to be doing late spring, but push back indefinitely. I don't know when it's going to air. So yeah, I shouldn't say canceled. They sh- it's, it's it's suspended. The product they didn't get the production finished, so they're kind of in this uh, no man's land. Uh, I expect a lot of shows will be over the next couple of months. Yeah, but we're also we cover like a, a movie every week. Like this week we're going to be doing uh, the classic James Bond because we're mourning the postponement of the James Bond franchise. We're doing the classic film uh, Goldeneye. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of stuff you can you can get in into with Bald Move, and maybe we'll see you around the galaxy. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Signing off. See you later. <laughs>